Hello. Hello and welcome to the Betsy, Betsy Boss, Boss Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. We are here. It is April. <laughs> Clearly we are. We, we have lost track. Yeah, of we the have date. been taken over by the self, uh, the shelter in place, <laughs> self quarantine lifestyle. I have no idea what day Sunday, it is. Monday, Tuesday, it, Wednesday. You know what? It is Tuesday, April 7th. <laughs> and we are here with another brand yeah. new episode. God knows, I don't know about all y'all, but dates have lost meaning. Time has lost yes. meaning. The day of the week has lost meaning. We don't know where the fuck we are. I, I, I have seen, and I even referenced it, like the boring person I am to my manager. There was some meme out there where it lists the days of the week, and it just crosses out the first like couple letters, so it's just day, 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 day. And I very much like last week was probably the first time I actually felt that. I was like, oh my god, it's Wednesday. Like I, I didn't even know what day of the week it was yeah and we are coming up on our fourth week of quarantine at this point is it really yeah i think this oh my is god our i mean who knows but i <laughs> think it's our fourth week of yeah quarantine. i think you're probably right yeah because we're into april now yeah there is a significant shift that's gone on where there's a ton more people outside first of all because the weather's just starting yeah. to turn but it has gotten a little weird around here very crazy mm-hmm and Something that's been giving both of our lives meaning and has been sweeping the nation since the quarantine. How can you not talk about it? um, Is a little show by the name of Tiger King. Yes. Now, you just were introduced to the show tonight, but you actually knew a lot about Joe Exotic. And hey, I'll shout out a big podcast here that if we want to tag it, not that they're going to see it, but I've been listening (laughs) to this actually for years here. And it was so funny because they were actually on this on top of this story, probably about at least a year ago. You got it. And that be. is last podcast on the left. Oh. Yeah. So they were, I, I knew all about the Joe Exotic uh, situation there. So as I told you, the whole animal topic is very difficult for me to watch or listen to anything on. So when I was introduced to Joe Exotic, it was from this podcast. And they were more so talking about his crazy, they talked about the cat situation big cat situation but more so his husband and his crazy country singing career and just kind of the whole comical situation of it so one thing that I know I told you tonight that um this blew me away yeah which I didn't know because I've been putting off watching this documentary because I'm really interested in it but I'm really nervous that it's going to give me nightmares for at least a month or two and yeah you are very sensitive to the animal issue which is one of your most delightful qualities I I guess one thing you don't know about her is that she is a big animal lover but that um Seriously, I've been I I've been wanting to watch this. I've even started to get memes from my family sent to me, which my god, if you if it reaches your aunt and mother level, you, you know, know. Yeah, everyone's watched it. It has filtered down. Oh, but anyway, I, I I have not been able to watch it until tonight where I have somebody that's watched it and can tell me Yep, I give her all the spoilers without spoilers. <laughs> yep. Tell her where the bad animal stuff is, which yep. honestly I was saying to you that I think the 
bad animal parts are kind of few and far between. Yeah. It's much more focused on these characters Which who is are super just interesting. <laughs> There's just I mean, it centers around this rivalry, right? Yeah. Between this fellow Joe Exotic. Oh, that big cat rivalry. Big cat rivalry. <laughs> it's a cat fight. Wild cats, get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. <laughs> hey, wild cats. Get you get your head in, in the game. game. But this guy, Joe Exotic, he breeds cats um, and he owns this big zoo, which is actually beautiful and like very well kept, I thought. Yeah, I mean, based on first episode, I'm not. Yeah, he's doing OK. Yeah, he's doing well so far. Um, And it's between him and this woman, Carol Baskin, who is this big cat rescuer. Um, She's, you know, puts herself up there as a you know big advocate for the cats and she's obsessed with cats. She's all about cats. She opens every single podcast episode of her little web show <laughs> with, hey, all you cats and kittens. Oh, God. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't catch. Oh, good God. She is a nutter butter. And the yeah. whole thing is this rivalry where Carol tries to shut Joe Exotic down because she thinks he's wrong. And Joe comes back at her just as strong and says, I have every right to raise these cats. I love them. I care for them. I'm in the enclosures with them. I give them, you know, everything I can. And guess what? I'll write a country song about it. While oh, I'm at it. absolutely. That I won't actually sing. Yes, that was the big spoiler that I learned from again last podcast on the left. Shout out was that um, he doesn't actually sing his own songs. Whew, what a letdown, honestly. <laughs> I am just trying to figure out. And please DM us at Betsy Boss Podcast on instagram or um at betsy boss pod on twitter please let me know because this is killing me oh god if the character of joe dirt was based (laughs) on joe exotic all right there's a blonde mullet the guy even looks like david spade it's the same exact character somebody somewhere please like you must know is that what was dropped in the whole debris the waste debris that was dropped from the airplane like was that's it, what was it joe know. exotic that right. was <laughs> it's not a meteor <laughs> it's a bird it's a plane it's, it's joe, joe exotic, exotic. <laughs> yeah but we are just enjoying this too it's full effect i mean they could not have dropped this show at a better oh time God. because everybody's quarantined oh. we're all going crazy and we all need something to watch and focus on and get excited about this is it people well like i said with making a murderer which of course again if you've listened to us from the beginning you'd know that i am very big into this whole true crime genre and uh so i was saying the same thing i was like that's why making a murderer became such a hit because this came on i want to say we were in law school maybe in college but it was over the holiday break and they had just released it anyone that was in school anyone that you know had taken a significant amount of time off around the holidays had some time they were binging netflix and this was the first major series that was kind of like on their list to watch and i feel like this is the same exact thing where i have i've heard nothing but joe exotic tiger king since the quarantine really I mean, and honestly, it was probably more like the peak of the quarantine because we probably, you know, we got locked up maybe four weeks ago um, and then it progressed from there. We obviously have had less and less contact with the outside world and more and more of a need for entertainment. So now everybody is real desperate. Yeah. It dropped. I don't know when this dropped, but I started hearing about it maybe two yeah. weeks ago. And that sounds right. Yeah. It's And my God, it's just swept the nation. So... 
I just would like to put in a shameless plug for Betsy Boss. If you are bored during your (laughs) quarantine, if you're alone, if you're lonely, if you're upset, if you're scared to go outside, just tune into some Betsy Boss because we are here for you. Tell all your friends. Nobody deserves to be lonely. Nobody needs to be alone. But nobody needs to go out into the public desperate for human contact because they are so bored that they will risk corona to go and be with their fellow humans. Listen to us. We're safe. We are effective. And we will not give you corona (laughs) through your listening device. Right? (laughs) 99.99% effective. We kill 99% of germs on any hard surface. So speaking of defunct business owners and just crazy people in general who, you know, cared more about themselves maybe than the cause that they were fighting for. (laughs) Questionable practices. (laughs) Questionable work ethic. Questionable. Mm -hmm. There's also fire involved, not to give any spoilers, um, but that's a common thread between Sadly, no mullets in this episode. Unfortunately, (laughs) unless we shave our heads tonight. I've seen a lot of people, it's a quarantine trend, are just going for that big cut. Hey, I mean, it'll grow back by the time we're all back in the office. Right, and you'll look back to normal, which is probably, who knows when we'll be back in the That's office. That's what I mean. I'm begging for that food. Oh. oh, I left all this great food in my desk drawer. I was ready to chow down, oh, and then well, we got quarantined. Can I tell you what I'm most upset, and it's probably going to be gone when I get back. Oh. I had a, I had a three-quarters full little pump of hand sanitizer. Oh, me on too. On my desk. Yeah. Now it's <laughs> as rare as gold these days to try and find some hand sanitizer. Yeah, rarer than a white spray. tiger. Yes, rarer than a white tiger. <laughs> a clouded leopard. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, <laughs> right, right. Is he? Is he rarer than the? <laughs> he's rarer than the medium rare steak that That's the tigers right. got fed. Yeah, but talking about those uh, <laughs> those industries that are just kind of questionable, like going under the radar there. Crazy business owners Especially, who don't care about their workers. Let's also just, again, I'm only one episode in, but even just feeding into that Florida man slash Florida woman over there with Carol. Yep. Good old Carol. Yeah. I think that ties in very nicely to uh, the episode for today, which is questionable business practices and people that may not always have the best intentions, despite what they display to the public. Great transition. (laughs) Thank you. Buddy. So that goes very nicely, though, into tonight's episode. Which is about the Triangle Shirtwaist Company factory Mm -hmm. burning the fuck down in new york city right um this happened on march 25th 1911 so we're not too far off from the 110th anniversary oh, you're right yeah we're just about a year off yeah wow. just about a year off Jeez, um, this insane. shit killed 145 workers it right. was a blaze of glory of not so glorious glory yeah um it was one of the most infamous incidents in american industrial history the deaths were pretty much completely preventable if the proper precautions would have been taken. The majority, yeah. Sadly, the majority. they weren't. And the business owners who we'll tell you about were just a couple of corrupt ass dudes who didn't really care about their workers at all. No, they took total advantage of the situation and kind of the the sweatshop scenario that was going on in New York at the time, and it just was very, very upsetting to see. 
most of these victims um, actually died as a result of neglected safety features that were super basic. A lot of the time, oh, okay. it was just locked doors within the factory building. Or doors that opened in, which like... Which was so stupid, hey, no offense. Sad to joke about, but where was but the push Jesus, pull sign? Uh, exactly. <laughs> Christ almighty. Or where was the, the handle on the inside of the door? Right. My God. Listen, we came into this episode not even knowing what a triangle shirtwaist was. That's right. I, but I'm now used to my square shirtwaist. Come right? On. Come on. What is a shirtwaist even? Well, so I, I found one little quote about it. It was apparently modeled off of men's fashion. So almost, I want to say, like a men's button down. But oh. in the Victorian era, oh. where it kind of comes in more so at the waist. It's a little puffier up top. And it was a little more... It apparently gave the feminine body, you know, outline without being as restrictive as some of these other corsets and whatnot had been. Wow. So this was booming during this time. And it was something that was very much made by individuals in these sweatshops. And it was made kind of piecemeal where it was people, women mostly, immigrant women that were sewing different parts together and kind of putting these shirts together. Oof. And what kind of conditions did they work in? Jesus Christ. Oh. These bitches could not even go to the bathroom yeah. during the day. They had no access. It was really fucked up. It was not okay. So the majority of these women were immigrants from Italy and Eastern Europe. And they came over here, couldn't speak the language. And they were looking for um, a job. A lot of the times they went into these sweatshops, essentially, and they were hired as contract workers. So that also put them at a disadvantage because they were mm-hmm. essentially deprived of any rights because it was easy to kind of write them off and be like, all right, you're a contract worker. You're not a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. You know, I can find someone better if you don't agree to this type of thing. Um, and they were working, I saw anywhere from around 12-hour days. Yeah, every day, right? Every day. And I, I saw anywhere from 6 to $15 I saw week. that as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm so, not sure what same the figures. exact kind of number was. Um, but it was just, it was crazy. And a lot of the times they actually had to buy their own um, materials, their own sewing oh, machine, their own needles. That. Like, it's insane. It was pretty much, you want a job? All right, show me how much you want it, and I'll pay you the <laughs> least that I can. Yeah. Well, what's fucked up is, get this, I mean, it was the perfect setup for a huge disaster to happen. Yeah. Guys, there were four elevators in this place in 1911 <sighs> with that actually had access to the factory floors. Right. Only one was fully operational, and in order to get there, the workers had to file down this long, narrow hallway. And then there were also these two stairways that went down to the street level. But oops, get this. One was locked from the outside right. to prevent stealing. The other only opened inwards. Right. So that's just fucked. The fire escape was so narrow that it actually would have taken hours for all the workers to use it, even if they moved as quickly as possible. And which, honestly, it was so weak that... Yeah, you'll see what happens. It doesn't end up going well. It does not go well. Yeah, but it it was kind of it was kind of crazy. So, um, this building it was the Ash Building, I guess, in Manhattan, and it was the top three floors, the eighth, ninth, and tenth floors, and it was built only ten years before this whole disaster happened, and it was owned by Max Blank and Isaac Harris. Couple and, of douchebags. Oh, get ready to hear get what they ready, did. Get ready. Get ready and. The thing that is 
very upsetting to me is that they were immigrants themselves. So they um, immigrated. Bit the hand that fed them in a way. My, they really did. And they just had no respect for people. And, you know, they worked their way up. But they had no respect for people that were coming over in similar situations to themselves. So they came over in the mid-1860s. Uh, both were in their 20s. And they ended up getting into the garment business, which was booming at the time. Uh, they eventually built their business and went into business together, bought the ninth floor at the Ash Building, and continued to expand until they owned the top three floors there. Um, they had great success. In 1908, the Triangle Factory hit $1 million in sales, which is $30 million yikes in today like i that that is like 15 20 years they were really in that business and they made that kind of money it's just insane and how does one make all that money that quickly by cutting some motherfucking corners uh major or some triangles or some triangles (laughs) um they pretty much knew going into this business that there was a danger of fires breaking out in factories like triangle but basically because of the high levels of corruption, not just with these owners, but also in the garment industry as a whole and in the city government, nobody yeah, ever took useful precautions to prevent these fires. They knew. They knew that garments were flammable. They knew that the machines were tightly packed. There was no way for anybody to get out. There was just no concern for right. these workers. They were thought of as, you know, kind of a low tier of humanity and they were cheap labor, and that's all they were good for. Well, and it, it's crazy, too, because um, they actually had a history of fires, which was very typical of the time. They, in 1902, the Triangle Factory uh, was scorched by fire twice. And then, speaking of, they clearly love shapes here, the Diamond <laughs> Waste Company factory burned twice in 1907 and 1910. And it was shown that both of these lovely owners here scorched these uh, uh, buildings purposefully to collect on insurance. Very smart, honestly. Well, eh, very smart, but act like awful, terrible human beings. And while this wasn't what happened in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, this, at least speculation or, or... almost pretty much proven that they didn't install sprinklers in the building because just in case they want to burn it down again <laughs> you know just <laughs> i loved that like just in case we want to yeah, just we may burn just everything to the ground and collect on that insurance that, you yep. know. so the lack of sprinklers really bit them in the ass in the end because they were preparing to commit their own fraud later on completely but then when a real fire breaks out it's like the boy who cried wolf right i mean Ugh. you yell and yell and yell and people stop listening and the same was true with this i mean there was nothing in place because they didn't know whether they were going to have to file a fraudulent claim um and then there was nothing in place for when a real claim came around well you know it was in place though male privilege <laughs> i'm just gonna say it like it. spoiler alert they got away with it at the end there but not to jump to that before kind of going through the details of this fire and how it started um so on saturday march 25th 1911 we had about 500 people working it was just around 4 p.m. The uh, factory was kind of closing down, 
And then on the eighth floor is where this whole fire uh, was believed to begin. It was in a waste bin. And if you can imagine, it was a cigarette. And just think about all the fabric, all the patterns, all the flammable material packed in tightly. Light a cigarette. It's It's all going up in flames. Like you're done. Um, So pretty much around that time, you have a hundred foot loft. So people that are at the opposite end are trying to run across these tables and find a viable exit. But as we described, doors are locked. Fire escapes are um, collapsing. We have the, well, I, I don't know if you want me to get into it now, but like the the elevator operators, I think, oh, were some of the heroes God. of that day. They were Yeah, bring it on. Let's go into it. Yeah, so just a, a description of the different floors. So it was the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Started on the 8th. Those that were on the 8th essentially could kind of go below and escape. Filer travels up, people. I don't know if you know yeah, this. Yeah, hot air rises. As it's a law smoke. of thermodynamics, okay? <laughs> so that heat ain't going down anytime no, soon. It's no. going straight up to those 10th and 11th yeah, floors. Yeah, and those triangle, I don't know, <laughs> triangle, <laughs> triangle <shaped> flames. flames. <laughs> <laughs> so 10th floor, they went up, which stereotypically is not the way to do it. You don't want to go up with flames, but it worked for them. Ninth floor, though, they were very much trapped. You do not want to be on that ninth floor. Well, and also, did you see that a manager tried to put out the fire with a hose? They find out safety measures, you know, be damned because every single potential safety measure was completely inefficient and disregarded. Um, A manager tried to put it out with a hose. Whoops, the hose was rotted through and the valve was rusted shut. Then they tried to find a bucket of water. There were water buckets that were routinely left out. Yeah, that was a common practice. That was kind of the normal thing. You know, you throw a bucket of water on something and puts it out. Um, Whoops, they were all empty. One of the workers actually recalled later on that she had said earlier in the day before the fire started blazing, you know, it's kind of funny that we have empty buckets all over the place here. What the hell are we going to do if a fire breaks out? But uh, yeah, I kind of went through all the different escape routes that should have been available to these workers. So we had the elevators, though. They could only hold 12 at a time. And the elevator operators were actually able to go up and down um, about four times. They saved, again, these are all kind of estimates, but about 150 people. But the saddest thing, which is awful, is that you would have the elevators go down and then somebody would miss them as they're kind of running across the room and they would go and try to almost fireman escape down like a fire pole and essentially grab onto the cables. In the elevator shaft. Right, and throw themselves down. And so at least in one report I saw there were 19 bodies on top of the elevator which prevented it from coming back up because they were oh it was awful it was just like it was terrible although i did hear about one woman who wrapped a scarf around her hand yeah cecilia so it happened cecilia yeah yeah she uh she leapt into the shaft she grabbed the elevator cable and she slid down fireman style or stripper style to the bottom yeah the impact of the fall actually broke her arm and her finger and she suffered a little bit of a blow to the head and burns to her whole body but she made it yeah and yeah yeah as well that ends well right oh but it's just it's it's literally it's not comedy but it like oh it's like a folly like, like everything that could go wrong did like the ladder only stretched to the sixth floor it was 30 feet below the women uh the nets that for people that were jumping <laughs> 
Oh, it's just, it's awful. They all broke. Yeah, they were insufficient to break the fall. Well, I do, I do want to talk, though, about the, the, the owners there just happened to be uh, in the building. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is insane. So they were on the eighth, on the 10th floor. Um, and as the fire broke out, there was a manager on the eighth floor. He called up and alerted them. So you had the owners there. They One of the owners had his daughter, two daughters, and a governess there. Because as we said, you know, hoity-toity. Yeah. They had all their staff. This is like a scene from The Hills Are Alive. Oh, my God. With the sound of death. Yeah, seriously. They were flopping all over the place. Pretty much. Uh, So he called up to the 10th floor, alerted them. They were able to go up which, again, is not the preferred or, or recommended kind of a way to escape a fire. But like they going up. Where yeah, the you could, like, go up with the rise with the fire. Uh, but they went up to the, the roof and were able to um, – there was a NYU law professor in an adjoining building and his student. And there were, thankfully, ladders that – I guess there was some painting going on. And they were left on the building rooftop there. They were able to help uh, the – owners their daughters the uh governess and a couple other well 60 in total so a, a good amount of employees kind of escape um from going from one rooftop to another which by the way obviously i'd do it in the moment but like oh, i don't even know if Im- i even would oh can you imagine that no. like 10 stories up truly i can't on a ladder and, i mean you did have these jumpers like people were jumping out of the building oh. at that point to try and escape all Awful. this stuff and meanwhile, again, comedy of errors here, but like we feel bad laughing, but it's still just like hysterically defunct. The people who were jumping out of the building to escape the fire landed on the fire hoses, right. which made it even harder to fight the again, fire. It's just like if it could go wrong, it did. It did. And oh, my God, boy, did it. It went wrong with style. But yeah, of course, the owners, these jerk owners who awful put all these workers in grave danger whatever were the ones who escaped of course yeah yeah with their hoity-toity like we said governess and children yeah lucky you right i was shocked did you see or did you um notice that the fire apparently only took 18 minutes to do all that stuff so i saw 18 to 30 and different oh my god even so even regardless if you're under 30 that's insane and the funny thing is that i saw the building (laughs) itself this whole thing is funny it's it's funny if i don't laugh i'll cry right type of thing um but the building itself was touted almost like the titanic was unsinkable the building was fireproof and it essentially was because it still stands today yeah because it was the problem was the innards all the escape routes were blocked and like i'm sure it was asbestos filled which was great for fireproofing back then but um the saddest thing is that if it actually was fireproof they were packed in there with these sewing machines these flammable you know fabrics and all that stuff and locked in essentially in a in a death chamber there (laughs) classic wait so there is something hold on there is definitely something i wanted to (laughs) Uh, yeah um hold on sorry 
as we hear this stupid bird. <laughs> I know, he's tweeting away over there. Oh my god. Oh shoot, I thought I had... Mm. What are you thinking? Thinking we should title this, We Be Burning. <laughs> Fire burning on the dance Fire floor. Fire burning on the dance floor. <laughs> From the window to the wall. Right? Everywhere. <laughs> the elevator's the gone down the shaft. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> okay, this is what is oh, very frustrating to me. So the reason the owners were able to escape is that um, – Somebody on the so essentially you have the eighth floor where it broke out. You have the ninth floor where pretty much everyone's fucked. Yeah. Then you have the tenth floor where they did the opposite and they went up, but thank God it worked out for them. So the eighth floor, you had someone that called up to the tenth floor and pretty much said, "Hey, you need to get out to the yeah. manager, to the owners and their children, the governess and everyone." Um, but what fucked everyone else up was in his panic, he left the phone off the hook. And there was no way to alert the women on the ninth floor. Oh, shit. Or, and no way to essentially alert the the fire company or anything to come and help put it out. So they were essentially kind of stuck there with no means of communication because the phone was off the hook. Oh. Uh, which is just, ugh, just like Add another tragic. Yeah, not concerning so what nobody what has to say. say. <laughs> Damn. Left the phone off the ringer and you're gonna die today. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so pretty much after that, though, there was a major outcry. So pretty much um, after they, oh, which is awful, like were able to collect all the bodies, they transported them to the Charities Pier on 26th Street. Not from New York, so I can't really place it. No. Um, but they lined them up in simple wooden coffins to have family members identify them. Oh, and good luck identifying them after they're oh, charred and well, scorched. And... and this is what is so sad reading this article. So also they had looky-loos, tens of thousands of people who showed up. Um, but it was so sad the way they described it. It was people looking for hair braids, shoes, jewelry, uh, gold teeth. Uh, oh, just try and like forage just any way that you could be like oh yeah I recognize that's how she always wore Ew. her hair or oh which is just so oh, and they stole their awful shit? and the, yeah and then there were also yeah those uh individuals that were there that were kind of like stealing off of the bodies because yeah, if you have that looters. many bodies yeah which Ugh. is just awful and then you have the grieving families in the mix too and then all the looky lose like i said just kind of there for the spectacle of it all and it just it's so sad yeah what a mess um but i guess the good upshot the silver lining of all this is the unification of organized labor and um you know reform-minded politicians and basically you know there was this whole factory investigation commission that got set up thank god after this thank god so that this would never happen again the workers' union actually set up a march on Fifth Avenue. That got attended by 80,000 people, which is cool. Um, and, and insane in those numbers, too. like in those yeah, days, Yeah, back too. in the day, that yeah. they would be able to get word of mouth out yeah. that way. Um, and even though the owners and the management were negligent in causing the fire um, with their lack of safety provisions and all that, the grand jury, I mean, that yeah. is where things this get really haywire for me. It's just super... 
upsetting. So um, pretty much in December of 1911, um, this was literally the verdict came in 23 days after the trial started. So it was a long trial on the 27th. Um, but there were 100 witnesses that testified and pretty much gave their testimony of how the doors were locked. That was the main question really was did the owners know that the doors were locked, which was in violation of one of the few laws that was out there? Right. Um, you know, at least at the time, Do not I lock guess. your employees yeah. in the building. Good God. Yeah. Think of, like, simple, you know, common practice there. Um, but then we had the all-male, all-male jury. Um, they came back in less than two hours with a verdict of not guilty. Horrible. Which is just... <sighs> Abysmal. I don't know. It just is very upsetting. How about the fact that to settle the lawsuits filed against them, the company eventually paid seventy five dollars. That's not seventy five grand, insane. people. Yeah. It's not seventy five hundred. It's seventy five dollars in compensation to each victim's right. family. And now, granted, you know it's back in the day, so it would have been more in these days, but not much. And this was just a fraction of what they ended up getting paid by their I think insurers. I think that's the most upsetting that's thing. That's deeply upsetting. The insurers paid 400 per death. Yeah, it was 60000 in total in insurance. So again, it like you look at them doing these um, intentional fires back in the day kind of to collect insurance money. And it's so sad because this is like human capital that they're pretty much doing the same thing to and just kind of yep. don't, don't care in the Ugh. same way so upsetting yeah it's insane but i guess on the bright side this whole massacre um really got the city to think differently about reform you know there were fire prevention laws passed and stuff like that i mean nowadays you can't do anything without there being like five exits in view right there's always signs yeah and there's always um i mean i don't know about you but at my office there's a person now meanwhile she's got no business being the head of this <laughs> I think I know because what you're she's like me. gimping around yeah but you know there is like a head of like the fire they have special little hats that oh, they give them so that funny. are red they have a vest in yeah our place, yeah like a the, neon vest. yeah it's like a bright red hat and it's like like i don't know whatever the the organization or whatever is hysterical Ugh. but you know nowadays i mean companies are terrified of getting sued because thank they god. didn't prepare their employees thank god yeah they got the fear god in them and yeah i mean this just would never be an issue in these days because no. nobody would ever nobody would ever be able to just kind of like put their middle finger up and be like fuck you i yeah, want to make money exactly Screw the sprinklers yep Fuck the sprinklers. <laughs> yeah. I want to burn my building down yeah. whenever I feel like yeah. it. Yeah, like I don't want you preventing my insurance collection. Ugh, Hondo P. Yeah, it just – the thing that pissed me off too, I don't know if you read this, um, but not long after, um, they pretty much just went back to trying to make the Triangle Waste Company tried to just keep it going. So eventually it fell apart. They kind of went their separate ways but still stayed in the garment industry and in 1913, there was an inspection of Blank's factory, and the doors were locked during working hours. Oh, my goodness. He was fined $20, and the judge apologized for the inconvenience of bringing him to court. Like, are you serious? Ugh, good Lord. Yeah, it just, it's absolutely insane. Like, yep. Once a... Um... Lawbreaker. There you go. <laughs> Once a, a lawbreaker, breaker, always a lawbreaker. Yeah. Not a jawbreaker. Break my jaw on your dick. Yeah. Your dick. <laughs> Break my jaw, maybe I'll forgive you. Yeah, that was a good night. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it just it's it's just so crazy that they could kind of get away with this, and um, you know that even it, it, there was such an outcry after this whole thing happened, and yet when they're doing the same thing over again slap on the wrist 20 bucks and apologizing to him for having to come into court ridiculous and i mean i think maybe some of you are thinking why did we choose this topic what does this have to do with women's history i think it's really important to emphasize that it was all women pretty much that were these factory workers and that died in this accident i mean it was these disenfranchised women who were immigrants they couldn't speak english they were weak they were um, disposable as the um, property owners viewed them. Um, they were basically indentured servants and they just, the owners just didn't care what happened to them. They didn't care if they were safe. They didn't care if they worked in reasonable um, conditions. Conditions. Thank you. They didn't care <laughs> if they worked in reasonable conditions. Um, so it's really important to emphasize that even though these women did die through this horrible accident, um, it was really women that it was really through death that their voices were heard. And yeah. That the whole kind of spurred this whole change, even aside from the, um, the legal changes that kind of came from this, there was there were a couple things that came from this too, just kind of commemoratively. So on the 50th anniversary, there was a memorial plaque. And um, then in 2003, the Ash Building, which is again where this all occurred. Ironic that it's called the Ash Building. Oh, it was God, reduced I didn't to even ashes. think of that. Well, now it's the Brown Building because it survived when it was burned. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, it's all Too awful. many puns. Oh, yeah. Just kill me because this is not funny. But it's hilarious somehow. But I love me some puns. Um, (laughs) But in 2003, this building was designated as a historic landmark, too. So, again, because it was fireproof, all the asbestos, I'm sure, uh, Dorothy could have gone there and slept in the poppies with all the... I don't know if you heard that one, too. (laughs) With the snow in the... Oh, because it was asbestos. It was asbestos, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, I think the oldest uh, living survivor died in, like, 2001. So that was even before the Ash Building, which I can't get oh, over the name now. No. Uh, yeah, she died at, like, 107 or something Whoa, like that. Whoa, old as dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. So I just wanted to say before we close out here tonight that we had a really awesome response to our episode last week, which was called Trans Plans and Wash Your Hands. Um, <laughs> and it was all about transgender icon christine jorgensen and she was just um really neat lady um an incredible person to look up to in the trans community and honestly even if you're out of the trans community just an incredible showing of strength and unification communities and yeah just an icon i think that totally inspired us yeah um and so we got some really great responses to that episode i'm so glad that we were able to reach the trans community um and to speak out in a way that hopefully came off as um respectful and hopefully the trans community knows that it has allies in us and that um you all can always come to us for support for um representation i hope everybody felt that it was accurate um again we are imploring you to reach out if anything didn't seem accurate or if we use any words incorrectly um we really want to just be the best possible allies that we can be 
Um, and so, so in response to that, though, I know we had asked uh, one of the things that we're just trying to get some more uh, interaction, especially during these big event type of days. Uh, Trans Day of Visibility was a big one, and we put out our new Betsy Boss flag there uh, in support of our trans uh, sisters, friends, and the whole community there. And we asked you to tag individuals that you are supportive of, if you're trans yourself, or just kind of shouting out if you're an ally as well. And so I think we had mentioned that we wanted to kind of give a shout out. Um, yeah, so in general, we were just really excited and um, happy about the outpouring of support, um, not just from trans folks, but of allies, people of all different kinds, family members um, who just were so supportive of this community, so supportive of the podcast and the um, message of inclusion. It's really exciting to see and hear. So we just wanted to thank everybody for that. And we do have one special um, resource for trans folks. Um, They really have been in close contact with us since we um, put out that episode. And they've taught us a lot about what we can do to be the best allies we can be. Um, So we really appreciate them. We hope that you all, if you need the resource or if you just want to learn more, um, you will feel free to contact them as well. Yeah, so that organization is Trans Trusted Consulting, and they've just been a really great resource and contact after reaching out to us after our last episode. Um, We're definitely going to tag them in our social media, but we also wanted to provide you some contacts and information on them. So their website is transtrusted.com, and their email is transtrustedconsulting at gmail.com. And just a little bit more about the organization as well. Uh, Trans Trusted Consulting provides guidance services to the adult trans masculine community, as well as parents of trans children and businesses looking to become better allies to the community. They also offer digital guidance via one-on-one support, as well as guidance groups for each community. Additionally, they provide sensitivity training to businesses looking to learn more about supporting their employees, as well as marketing to the demographic. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, our Instagram and Facebook are at Betsy Boss Podcast. Our Twitter is at Betsy Boss Pod. Our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And if you'd like to email us, we are at BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (music) 